podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. On today's show, we have composer, percussionist, vocalist, and music educator, Mike Newmeyer. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, great to be here. And this is actually a really special treat for us today because Mike is also the composer of our theme song that is used on the Musicians Venture podcast. So this is this is a big deal. I'm so glad you are here, and I have so many questions for you. But thanks for for doing this, and and you're a special celebrity in our books. So, yeah, even Honored. better. <laughs> and uh, I want to start by just asking you, like, so percussionist, vibraphonist, marimbist. What I mean, what else do you uh, tell me? Everything you do. It is a little weird. I had trumpet on a recent video. Yeah. So wow. I started as a fifth grader on trumpet and wow. did the the band teacher path eventually. Okay. So I really learned all of the instruments at a very elementary level. Yeah. Like I have a flute at home, I have a clarinet at home, but those are not as strong. Okay. So you could kind of say everything and I'll explore any instrument if it's given to me. Nice. But you led yourself down the path of percussion. How did that start? That started like when I was in college, it was trumpet and vocal only. And it was like, you may minor in trumpet studies, but in high school, I always played drum set in a punk rock band. Nice. I was like, band teacher, can I please play drum set in jazz band? <laughs> Maybe like a little bit marching, a little bit in jazz band, one tune, you know, but yeah. we really need you on trumpet. Well, college came, and then I'm like, to my vocal teacher, Robert Peevler at Stevens Point, I'm yeah. like, can I go take some drum lessons? So then I, he's like, yeah, go knock on their door. So nice. what? A, thanks to that welcoming community, Ryan Korb and Robert Rosen took me in up at Stevens Point, and basically I think it was the marimba sure. being able to make like my favorite tunes like Mario Brothers, suddenly I'm able to make that with the drum set movements. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it, I fell in love right away. It felt so accessible. Nice, nice. And you must have had, you had to have had some sort of piano background probably in order to do some of that? Yeah, when I was graduating high school, that is right when I started. It was my senior year of high school. I took the test of what do you want to be in an pointed me towards music education and then I had a voice teacher that taught piano nice and so I said can we start doing a little bit of piano to prep me yeah and then throughout college I did like up to four levels of piano where you could accompany people mm -hmm. they, they prepped us for that oh nice very cool because I correct me if I'm wrong but I think uh, the marimba and vibraphone and xylophone those are all those are considered keyboard percussion, is that right? Yeah, definitely. They're laid out just like the piano, like the white keys on the black key configuration. Right, right. So, and I, I've heard you play, I've seen you play a number of times now. So when you play, you have up to how many mallets in your hands at a time? Uh, two to four. Whoa. So two in each hand. Yeah. And then there are players now that are doing six. They're doing three mallets in each hand. It's a little bit of a debate of is it worth it, do you have enough control sure. of the three mallets? But hey, they're getting harmony. They're yeah. getting more harmony out of it. Yeah, that's crazy. That's amazing. And at what point did you start composing along the way? I'd have to say that was during college. Well, you know, in the punk rock band I was composing. Yeah. So it's, you could say right away the seeds were planted. Nice. I remember doing an arrangement of Come on Eileen for a summer marching band, the Jeff DeThorne. Cool. Like, thank you, Jeff. My music teacher said, here, do this. And then he knew, he knew. He you knew know. you could do that. But then I'd say it was one summer when I went home 
when I was studying at college. Mm-hmm. And then you go home and you've just been brewing all of that music knowledge during the semesters. But you get home and you, I had a summer job, but I had a lot of time. Yeah. And then suddenly, that was when I transcribed Mario Brothers. Cool. Wrote two two new pieces and it was like really coming out of me. Right, right. That's so cool. How do you, I mean, for those of us who are not percussionists, uh, how do you even go about writing that out for yourself? Is it is it just like a piano score kind of? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, just the same. I think essentially I started thinking about how I would see trumpet uh-huh. and then I would write it out. It's just whatever it says. But then you're right. Once you get to four mallets, it's just like a piano. It's okay. grand staff. And then you, the marimba is big enough where it goes low enough. Sometimes the left hand will reside in the bottom staff. Okay. The, the lower notes will show you in a separate line. Okay. And how do for you, the folks who don't know what yeah. grand staff is. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you notate uh, which hand is playing which mallet? Well, that a lot of that is just going to be known from your training. You okay. might have like the fingers of the piano, five, sure. four, three, two, one. Our mallets are designated by one, two, three, four. Okay, got it. And so you might have some stuff. You might have the music out there, and then it's designated by which line it's on, meaning treble clef or bass clef. Got it. But then there also might be some digits in there that say, I played it this way. Yeah. Like you can take that technical stuff and play it that way, or sometimes we just do it our own way. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And I think we call that stickings, kind of like fingerings on okay. the piano. Oh, right, right, right. Stickings. Ah, a, a new term. That's fun. Boom. <laughs> Always good to learn something on this show. Nice. I like that. Um, I want to find out more about this punk band. Tell me, what was the name of the punk band you were in? The punk band was called I Belong. <laughs> we went into a guidance counseling office and there were these keychains that were free that said i belong and we thought merch i love that and then we we kind of were in searching mode of searching for our band name and that made the decision we we're like that's clever immediate merch and it's a great message that it is it's it is a great message and it's fascinating to me that at that age so you're in high school at that time yeah that yeah. was we were like 16 when we were released an album Wow, that's so cool. So you were already thinking uh, that the band name would be a sales gate for you and uh, before you even got to the point of uh, really putting the music out there. Uh, So you're already thinking sort of (laughs) business-like. Yeah, and I think that was thanks to Rob Wolfel. Yeah. He really was the, the leader of the band. He wrote the lyrics. And we would help write the music, the drum part and the guitar parts. But I'd say he had that business mindset, making flyers. I absorbed a lot from him, I'd have to say. Yeah, yeah. Flyers. Who makes flyers anymore? Yeah, no kidding. Facebook event. Where's the Facebook event? Right, right. That's so cool, though. I love it. What And, I mean, do you ever do any punk music still? Only in my... The most recent thing I did was a happy birthday video for my brother. (laughs) And anyway, so it was, you know, happy birthday to you. But not recently. I'll have to drum that up again. Yeah. Do you still no talk to those guys? Time. Yeah. I talked to Willis, the guitar player, quite a bit. And I did talk to Rob and Willis this year because we had, it was like the 20th anniversary of our first of our album release. Yeah. So I kind of secretly put a Spotify out there. I made a Facebook okay. page, but you know, I was kind of like putting it out there for one fan that I talked to <laughs> who said, I really would like it on Spotify. Can you please get it for convenience? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get that out there. Aww. 20th. But I didn't do a huge thing promoting yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. How fun. But now we all know. We do. <laughs> And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Oh, is that 
that bad. I love that. Um, and then, you know, speaking of all of that, and I, I just love, um, you come up with such creative uh, music and arrangements, and, and that's one of the reasons I've really enjoyed working with you. And and we'll get into, into some of that and some of what we've done together in a little bit. But, you know, you have put out so much um so many programs out on social media during this time and i would love to find out if you could talk to the listeners about uh some of what you've used in your in your social media from you know from facebook to uh TikTok to all of the different things that you've been doing during this time through the throughout the pandemic to um, be creative yeah let me start and then you can help maybe <laughs> point me if i yeah because there is a lot there is um, one I just, of the most consistent, yeah. For like sure. I just wrote a blog that kind of put that out on my website. I'll try okay. to remember what I wrote. So the first thing I think of is um, Twitch. Mm-hmm. You know, once once the pandemic started, I started watching my friend DJ Narc on mm-hmm. Twitch, and that's video game, a little bit of DJing, mm-hmm. and he told me straight up. You know how you can talk to someone on Mm -hmm. Twitch. There he is telling me, oh, yeah, you should start that. A student told me to start one. Yeah, you should do like marimba improvisations on Twitch. Well, this was the chance, right? Yeah. So then I ended up pairing that with YouTube. I was like, I might have tried a few Twitches, but then I was like, I want to record what I'm doing on Twitch and then edit it so that there's like, multiple touch points Mm -hmm. so i called those gopro sessions i would just set up two cameras i'm very lucky mommy got me gopros over the last few (laughs) holidays and stuff and uh then i would edit those so it's like hey this is on twitch then there's youtube where the gopro sessions the edited version would end up i'm thinking then it started getting into definitely a little bit of TikTok. Um, I work at MATC and I collaborated yeah. quickly with MATC okay. to do a one of those vinyl. What is that called again? There's a hashtag. It's like vinyl, vinyl check. I don't even know. Hashtag vinyl check, and okay. then you show your like ten vinyls or something. And that got me into TikTok, and I'm having some friends help me. Like I'm trying to use my video game covers. But then he's someone is teaching me that you kind of want to be live. You want to use the duet feature. You want to actually engage with fellow musicians instead of Instagram, where it would like you're uh, kind of competing. Okay. Good and information. Then, I, then at that point, I think I need. I think I need an arrow. Like, what are you thinking of the other stuff that you've seen? After Twitch and the GoPro sessions, I really started using the GoPros in a different way. Yeah, I mean, some of I, I, you have so many videos and cameras set up. Like, how many different camera angles do you have in some of these videos? Um, up to ten. Yeah, that's so, crazy. So, so I will segue into. Yeah. Then I started doing writing songs. Like one thing. Let me back up and I'll talk about sharing music. Okay. Sharing music is this cool streaming show on Facebook on Mike Neumeyer Music. And I met someone from Colombia, a vibraphone player named Gabriel Galvis from Bogota, Colombia. We met through Zoom. Yes. You know, here we are. The most popular vibraphone players in the world are having Zoom sessions where you can just ask them a question. That is so cool. And so here we are, me and Gabriel. Gabriel and I, we're fanboys. <laughs> and we start talking with each other. We're complimenting each other. So let's start our show. Let's start a show. I love that. And first, we did Mike Newmeyer and Friends. I asked him to do Mike Newmeyer and Friends, which is a yearly show. And I decided to do it virtually because it was the 15th year. And then he asked, what are we doing next week? Yeah. I was like, oh. We have a, uh, this is just a yearly thing, dude. I, right, right. Oh, then I, he thought, I thought about it. He said, it's about synergy and 
you know, we each should invite a guest and we just play music. I said, what about this? You speak Spanish. I speak English. He said, we'll just play more. We'll try <laughs> to play more and do less right, right. talking. And then that took off. Now I'll get to the video making. Huh? After one of these sharing music shows, this guitar player used delay, which caused me to use delay on my marimba. Cha, okay. cha, 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 oh, okay. Where sure. it, it echoes. And then I played this marimba groove and it like a new song came out of me right then and there. At that point, I thought, oh, I only have to turn the GoPro on for each layer. Mm, okay. The GoPro sessions are setting up two cameras and improvising. So whatever I play with the marimba and vibraphone, it's acoustically just it is what it is. But now I was able to lay down a bass part, lay down harmony parts, put down a melody, and then suddenly I started singing. And suddenly I started writing lyrics. Hmm. So out of that layering and recording, just like anybody has recorded, I, we, we used a Tascam four-track recorder with the rock mm -hmm. band, with mm -hmm. the punk rock band. I've been there before, mm -hmm. but oh, it just woke up something. <laughs> And so then you've seen the new videos where it's like 10 angles. You got yeah. my voice, my head is floating around singing ooze. Yeah, it's just incredible. And I like, you know, and I participated in something similar in the brass world, but I have no idea what it takes to put these together. How long does it take you to assemble something like that? Surprisingly, the first one was probably like an eight hour recording session. Okay. And then editing it over like two more days, maybe it adds up to 16 hours. Okay. But as I kept doing them, that got cut in half. Sure, sure. Um, it's typically like four hours of recording. And then if I like get to it, where sometimes you want to, because the correct take is in your memory right, still, and you right. can find the video footage and stuff. Sometimes it's like done within a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh-huh. Okay. Like, nice. You know, eight to 10 hours. Yeah. Okay. I've always wondered because it just, it looks amazing when you have all of those, you know, 10 camera angles set up, um, 10 different tracks, but I always think that must be so much work. But once you get it down, once you have your system down, it's down and, and it's, it's like no problem for you then. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like work. <laughs> Absolutely, when, it, when it's fun, you you know where the, what the vision is, you know what your goal is. Yeah, like, yeah, that's really cool. And I'm really glad you brought up the music with friends because that was another thing I was going to ask you about. Is uh, and that's what it's called. Did I get that correct? Oh, the sharing music. The sharing music yep. with friends. Thank you. Um, and because I've seen all of these international people that you're doing music with. Um, all over the place, um, whether you're talking with them or making music with them. And that has just been really inspiring. You're, you're one of the first people that I saw really doing that online uh, throughout the pandemic. And I was like, wow, what a cool, like, what a great way to make use of this time because, I mean, you can't play out very much. Um, you can't do much as, as far as the gigs go, um, but you can make use of this ability to communicate anywhere with anyone so um and it sounds you, you talked about that a little bit already um i mean who else have you been able to meet and how throughout this time yeah i think it started with mallet lab maybe that was a a keyboard percussion mm -hmm. what would be it would be a conference normally or like a uh, what do you call those where everybody gets together and learns from mm -hmm. some of the best who come in to visit. And so I kept going to those mm -hmm. more for my own development. Mm -hmm. Well, you, I'm just like a talker mm -hmm. and I'm like a net networking community builder. So I'm off to the side, you know, I would be the bad kid in class, like texting Gabriel. Yeah. Hey, yeah. how are you enjoying this class? <laughs> And then that started developing. I'd say one person I was watching even back back into March, yeah. I did a show where I heavily promoted it. I had people help me make better flyers and stuff. And someone from Japan, Kana Omari, 
watched my stream. Mm -hmm. This is where I thought the opposite was happening. I was watching her streams. She's from Japan. Mm -hmm. I was watching her streams. She'd be doing a stream in the morning at 9 a.m. Well, that's like really late at night for me. Mm -hmm. So here I'm sitting here stalking at 2 a.m. <laughs> or something. No, she was really appreciative. You know, she'd break away from her Japanese and say, oh, Mike Neumeyer, thank <laughs> you for coming out. She would speak yeah. in English. There was a connection, right? Yeah. So that was one that resurfaced as soon as sharing music started and I had the ability to reach out. Yeah. Then I started thinking, who have I been watching who really engaged with me and I feel more of a colleague, not that they are a huge star. And I also did reach out. There was another person that's not maybe not from another country, Jerry Tashwa. Right away I felt the ability to reach out. He was promoting an album. I felt the ability to help him mm -hmm. promote it. Thinking about others, there was this one gentleman, Mo Morton, forgetting his last name, but from Denmark. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to have him on the show. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, Rosanna Bribo. I have a deep connection now with Rosanna Bribo. She won the Italy Percussive Art Society contest. Wow. Has these amazing vibraphone solos on social media. Yeah. That is a person that I didn't even know, yeah. to be honest. And then I messaged saying, your playing is beautiful. You build up enough candor to where you can ask. By the way, I really would like to invite you to share this with yeah. us. Yeah. So, yeah, I, those are a few examples. There are more. Yeah. Do you anticipate doing any collaborations with them post-pandemic? Uh, do you continue? Will you continue doing this kind of thing? That's so cool that you asked that because I've already written a piece for Rosanna yeah. and I to play. Kana and I are working on um, an arrangement of Here Comes the Sun, be like marimba oh, yeah, and vibraphone. Yeah. yeah. Um, she was interested in the one I played and then we're just working on one. I'm working on it and we're... I send it to her, she'll give me edits. Yeah. And then and then there is more. With sharing music, we're planning on coming back. What happened with Gabriel is he had to go visit his family. And you know how we would go up to like northern Wisconsin and maybe we'd be out in the middle of nowhere? Sure. Well, he shows me pictures of where he is and it's like in the middle of Columbia where there's mountains all around right. him. Wow. Like, okay, he had to travel where there is not good Wi-Fi <laughs> and stuff like that. So he had to stop. And right now I have this collage of every single one of the guests that we've had. And so I'm going to post that to, like, say hi to everybody. And we're planning on coming back, I think, the second week in February. Okay. Nice. This is so cool. Do you, do you expect to maybe even do some live performances with some of them? Yeah. One thing that was cool is Miguel Cruz Mestana, I hope I got that right, from Lima, Peru. Man, this is cool. I'm yeah. able to just say this because <laughs> I know this guy. He like he said, yeah, we got to get you down here. And also, Mike, we have to have a beer. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm like, you know I'm from Wisconsin? That is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it is. Everybody's planting the seeds. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have to like plan out the next 10 years, whether it's just a personal trip yeah. and I go visit them or whether it's something where I visit their school and right. it's more on a professional level. Yeah. Or both. And they would yeah. come. I've already told Gabriel like, oh, you're coming. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love this. Yeah. There are some goods that can come out of this current situation. You're making a lot of use out of it for sure. That's amazing. I want to learn more about um, how you got to MATC, Milwaukee Area Technical College, and you're teaching music business there, as well as uh, the film scoring and percussion. And first of all, I, I don't know much about your film scoring teaching, and how have you, what have you done with that, and, and how are you teaching that? Well, that one, when I was offered the course, I kind of said, why am I being offered this course? Mm -hmm. I said, I don't have like a huge <laughs> resume of film scoring. 
I had had my u- music used. I did a silent film collaboration. And I had had my music used for like documentaries, okay, but not a lot of stuff. So what happened is I played my compositions at a faculty recital, numerous faculty recitals. Mm -hmm. And when that course came up, um, Jim Reif used to teach it. He just got too busy with some of the audio courses. Mm -hmm. And so they were saying... You know, you have proven your composition skills. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. just about having had the experience. Mm -hmm. And then immediately I got what Jim was saying because how I teach it, a lot of times we have simple, simple assignments where you just have to look up like a little YouTube clip, take the sound out, and then grab a piece of music and like press play at the right time. Mm -hmm. And then it... uh, it uh, escalates to having to edit that on a computer, mm-hmm. you know, and you actually have to sync up the audio and then you just deliver me just one file. Mm-hmm. We do assignments where you have to write a hero theme. You have to write oh, fun. a sad theme. You have yeah. to write a comedic theme. And then you have to do t- different types of scenes in that same sense. Writing a theme you don't have to sync it to anything. You could just write the theme. Sound familiar, everybody? <laughs> like that's a theme. But then if you were to have to put that with video, that's called a scene as mm-hmm. far as our assignments mm-hmm. go. Okay. So once I kind of do those assignments with the students mm-hmm. and I've learned a lot uh, through doing that mm-hmm. and since then, it's not like I've landed a film scoring. I think mm-hmm. I've had my music used quite a bit more because my radar is out for that, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's really, really fun. Does that help? I yeah, think. yeah. That's that's a really interesting world to be a part of. And then you teach a music business class there as well. And I've I've been lucky enough to be a speaker at some of those classes. But tell me more about what you do there and uh, how you got into that. And, and, and then we'll kind of segue into just your own knowledge about the music business too. Yeah. I think that was why I was hired. Mm -hmm. I work another job with Gruno company, Mm -hmm. which is a sales management position. Mm -hmm. You know, I run a division where I sell scanning digitization services. Mm -hmm. It's like, a little more mundane than music, right? <laughs> but I think the people, meeting people, knowing how you can help them, I like that part of it. And so when I went in for the interview at MATC, that I gave a slideshow on like how a percussionist, how to become a successful percussionist in this industry. Well, part of my spiel was that I had business experience and business knowledge I've developed a private teaching studio by that time, and I'm a percussionist that has written for percussion ensemble, Mm -hmm. and that was the other position was the percussion ensemble. So it was basically saying, you need someone who knows about business and music Mm -hmm. to teach music business. Mm -hmm. That didn't mean that I really knew all the ins and outs Mm -hmm. of contract in the record industry, mm-hmm. I knew like construction contracts. <laughs> so there was a little bit of learning that I needed to do in research. And my philosophy about music business is that I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I say in class, I don't know beep, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, edited, but they don't know anything either. And I'm just the facilitator sure. and we're all there to learn together. Right. And even when you do think you know a lot, there's always more to learn, right? Yeah, just my, when, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, just just when we thought we knew everything, you know, COVID-19 happens, and then everything you knew gets washed away, and you have to restart anyways. So, yeah. I mean, we're always learning, always having to learn and relearn. So There's this mantra my dad said, like, the only thing I know is that I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the students are teaching me nonstop. Who got me on Twitch? I mentioned that yes. that student mentioned it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great mindset to have. As long as you're willing to keep learning and, and be taught, be teachable, I think that's a great way to succeed in the music business. Um, and, and so how do you think you got to be so uh, music business savvy, uh, as you would say? Yeah, I go back to that sales position. Yeah. Um, I'm very lucky because at Gruno, right away when I started working there, they gave us cold calling lessons in a sense. Okay. So we worked with this guy named Jerry Stapleton who wrote a book on the, the type of contracting language you would use on the phone to avoid having someone say no. Mm, interesting. So, you know, you cold call and you, you say something more to the, y your first contract is just asking them for a little bit of their time. Mm -hmm. And oh boy, have I been hung up on a lot. <laughs> but after practice, you build up a thicker shell for part of it and you just, maybe you get some success. And I think that exact same aspect applies to just asking for your payment for a gig mm -hmm. or even getting the gig in the first place. Mm -hmm. I think it also helps me with teaching because anytime you're teaching something, you're kind of selling them on the fact that you could teach them anything at that moment mm -hmm. or they're selling them on whatever belief of the subject is mm -hmm. or your knowledge of the subject. So I'd say that sales position, mm -hmm. something from outside of music helped me right. a lot. Right. That's interesting. When you, when you went to school for music, did, was there any part of that that had a music industry brought into it? Not really. There was a, there was a course taught by Bob Case up in Stevens Point. I remember having an opportunity to take it. It was not required but it was required by the jazz mm -hmm. majors where they probably would be freelancing more. What am I talking about? Mm -hmm. We all freelance. So right. I don't understand why it wasn't required by everybody. Right. The other funny ironic thing is that I did do a minor in business management for a little while sure. until I stopped because uh -huh. my grades started suffering. Ah, in the business classes? Yeah. Yeah. So isn't that so ironic? It is, opposite? yeah. Like, I didn't enjoy taking the class about deep business management, but I think it's more that I know how to talk with people. Right. It's, it's like, I'm not perfect at the contract language. Yeah. As yep. much as just the people part of business. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's interesting. We have something in common because I was a business minor in college for a short time, too. And I hated it. And my grades were also it's the same thing. Wow. Yeah, it's and yeah, I like the business law part of it and some of the other classes, but uh, like accounting classes. Uh, that's probably what got me. Yeah, I think it was. a Yeah, it was just some deep questions on those tests and. Hey, I didn't do my studying. It's also on me. But right, <laughs> there, there is that part of it. <laughs> Why study when you have gigs to play at night, right? <laughs> yeah, I got. I had choir to practice for. In yeah, the morning. you have friends playing out. You have you know people to see, things to do. But uh, yeah, so there's also some of that. But I agree. I mean, so much of the business is is learned by doing and and uh, learn on the job and learn by meeting people. And, uh, and that's really interesting that you learned so much from your sales experience. I, yeah, that's fascinating to me. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you've uh, come across in the industry over the years? This is always coming from inside for mm -hmm. me. Uh, it's always that comparison. Mm -hmm. It's that, that, that new idea of social media. But then again, let me think even back to college. You're comparing yourself with your classmates. I always felt like maybe I couldn't do the full-on jazz improvisation thing because there was all these really cool people doing such a better job mm -hmm. than where I was at. Um, but that may be to my benefit because I've developed just my style of improvisation and... Um, so yeah, it was always about comparing people. And I find that if I just 
my solution that I found is that I put away the phone, put the blinders on, keep your head down, and then like Mike's path mm-hmm. is right there. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't got to look at other people's paths. Yeah. That's Mike's path. So I'd say it was always coming from within where that self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's something I think that's not uncommon for musicians. Um, we internalize so much and, and, you know, just, yeah, by, by nature, we're just, we, we are concerned about other people's opinions. Um, but, uh, the more you practice getting it out there, the, the easier it gets to, uh, to do that. Um, so, and, and you're getting more and more practice with that, just getting your music out there, getting, uh, putting things out there on social media, the, the, that's a great way to get over that. I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think about that? Or? I really think you're right. I just did an Instagram post where I try to do little motivational mm-hmm. mantras. 80% and delivered is better than 100% and kept to yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I might release a sheet, some sheet music where I look back and I realize, ooh, I actually need to transcribe that mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm but I don't notice it right away. Mm-hmm. I like to get it out there mm-hmm. first. And um, the other thought is maybe mixing. I'm, I'm definitely having self-conscious mm-hmm. about my mixes and the mastering of the sound. That's mm-hmm. new to me. But I'm like, get it out there. Mm-hmm. And um, my other, I had this other thought where I feel like, you know, you just want to, be yourself and not worry about what other people Mm -hmm. think. And then you're going to find yourself. There's maybe two thoughts I have here. At one point in my career, I said that to myself. Mm -hmm. I don't care what people think. And at that point, like really cheesy video gamey Disney Mm -hmm. type music started coming out Mm -hmm. of me, but I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is so cheesy. Oh, but I love it. So that means other people will love it. Mm -hmm. I was like, so don't listen to that devil on your shoulder that's saying these, these, what could be taken as a bad thing, like Mm -hmm. cheesy or whatever. And then I forgot the other second thing, but maybe we'll come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, really interesting. So thanks for sharing that. That's it. It's all, I, I bet a lot of people can relate to what you just said. I'm sure. Um, what advice would you give to those working to be musicians right now? Hmm, the loaded one. <laughs> I'm thinking it's all about your community. Um, as you develop your voice, I think it's almost like I'm going to say the opposite of what I just said. You know, you need to leave a little door open. Mm-hmm. Have 40 people that you're going to talk to, maybe 10, who you will listen to them and you do really mm-hmm. care. I'm gesturing towards mm-hmm. you. That's interesting. <laughs> and while you're doing that, it's really about being cool. I've just heard this so much. Like, get out there, be really organized, be adamant about your craft and your music, mm-hmm. but then also be chill. Mm-hmm. and be easy to work with and be cool mm-hmm. so that they ask you back. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that's probably going to be the topic of a, of a solo show episode coming up is uh, just being a good person, being, <laughs> being a decent person to work with because uh, I, that, that alone can get you so far. And uh, I think uh, not everyone is very capable of that sometimes. <laughs> and I'm myself included. There's yeah. times I have to, especially with texting, you can't read tone. Ah, uh, yeah. So sometimes I'm just like, I'll just turn it into a phone call. Yes, <laughs> smart. And then sometimes I just put the phone away for a, a little while. Be like, yeah. I got to cool off. I got to just answer this more naturally rather than the knee jerk text. So yeah, I have to take my own advice yes. there. And that's a good point. I, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad we had this discussion here because that's a very good point to 
being cool or, you know, being a good person is like, you know, misreading signals can be a big part of that. Um, so thanks for mentioning that. Um, did you have, do you have a favorite venue or gig you've played? Uh, right now I think about this, this, it's a more of an educational gig where I was able to direct the youth percussion ensemble from UWM. Now Dr. Alex Weir runs that group. Okay. But while I was running it, I got to bring them to the Wisconsin Percussive Arts Society Day of Percussion. Cool. And that was in 2018. And it was a dream come true because I was able to first present on composition. And I did this thing that was like talking through music, kind of talking about how can you improvise, but also like be composing at the same time. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like how we talk. Yeah. And then they, I got to present with the youth percussion ensemble where they played three of my works. Nice. And then like there was an ASCAP payment from that performance. Yay. Like, that was like one of these little peaks lately outside of this year there were a lot of cool virtual things yeah yeah, yeah. that one came comes up that's awesome that sounds amazing and i bet they love the music too your music is really really fun um obviously that's why we used it for our theme song <laughs> thanks yeah and uh, i just wanted to mention too I, you know we can kind of we can discuss this real quick on here but you tried a really interesting show with us uh wisconsin music ventures where we had you um do a zoom event with three different elementary schools all simultaneously because um, all they needed was one zoom link and this went out to like 45 different classrooms at once because during the pandemic, they can't congregate uh, and do an assembly together. So they were all in their 45 individual classrooms. And, um, and then there was a screen on you performing your, some music from your Marimba Maverick, but some other like cover tunes, essentially, like Mario Brothers theme song and Toy Story music and just other fun things that translated well to um, to marimba or vibraphone and what else was there um i know that we did um fossils oh yeah and which had xylophone excerpt which made the students very excited yes because they were learning about that in their own music class that's from carnival of the animals um so i don't know how was that for you <laughs> that was excellent um it's kind of Bizarre at first, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Although maybe since I had been doing the sharing music by that point, right. I didn't feel, it didn't feel too foreign. Okay. But it was like, remember when I tried to get them to, to echo and I was yes. like, what is a marimba? What is a marimba? Trying to get them to repeat that. I probably would do differently. Yeah, yeah. We learned a lot for sure. <laughs> and, uh, but I was, that was so exciting and you helped, I think, because I could not hear their reactions, but the energy in your voice helped me realize they were getting something out of it. There were chats. The chat yes. was going. Um, yeah, I was kind of moderating the chat uh, so the, the the teachers could relay answers that from the students to questions that you were asking through the chat and I could moderate that and send it like it was it was a very much a group effort <laughs> yep. like but it could be yeah. the high and low bars right is this high or low yes okay. it was very fun and very um it, it was it was very exciting interactive we wanted to keep it kind of interactive as though they could be at an assembly that you were performing live at which it was um but it was yeah that was intense that was a lot of chatting too and I remember we were worried at least the teachers, I don't know if you were worried about this, were worried if any of the, the students or, or teachers were going to give feedback in the chat box, if we were going to have much interaction. And there was a ton. They were fired up. They loved it. And I, I heard recently from one of the teachers that they're still talking about that concert today. So, uh, yeah, you did amazing work. And you even got into character on some of them and had the whole, what what, would, what did you use for that again? Well, for... For you've got a friend in me that's Woody. Yeah. So I've actually put a really big foam cowboy hat on. <laughs> it's like not really the Woody style hat, but very exaggerated. Yeah. yeah. For Marimba Maverick, I wanted to show them that it was a really fast tune. So I put like 
maverick goggles on, like airplane pilot yeah. hat and a airplane pilot goggles. And um thinking what, what else? I can't remember if I did a, any other hats. Uh, I don't remember for sure, but then there were just other like little teaching moments throughout there that you were able to do and, and talk about regarding the um, the different bars on the on the instruments and the pedal and just you know th- yep. fun things like I that. I put a piece of paper right. underneath the bar and then that creates a buzzing, which if the lesson would be longer could teach them about like Mexican marimba. Mm, right. And uh, but they basically I just want them to hear and learn about sound waves. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? There are waves. Invisible waves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like this, to a little kid, I'm hoping that could be like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Whereas adults were like, turn on the radio, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that was really fun, and it was, you know, because you've done so much online, it was, and you are so willing to experiment. That was just such a natural fit, and you've had, like it's just really kid friendly music too. So it was so much fun to do that, and uh, yeah, they they really enjoyed it. So I love trying things like that and i know we hope to do more of that for sure so yeah thanks again um and that kind of also um, transition transitions into i think i'll ask you now about um the music that you selected to have played for today uh, after this interview is a piece called uh give me five so can you tell me a little bit about that sure this was before covid i would do these instagram posts And that's when I was working like five jobs, you know, running around the city. You know how it is. Oh, oh yeah, I I do. And then (laughs) you get 10 minutes between lessons because a student's showing up late and then you get to record some. Well, then that idea popped out and kept living on and kept evolving. And then eventually I did build up enough of these pieces where they all came out on an album called Marimba Maverick. Mm -hmm. Little alliteration, kind of a (laughs) joke, because my nephew's name is Maverick. It's really a dedication to his youthful energy. So back to Gift Me Five, though, i thinking where exactly did that come from? It might have been some meme that I saw. I'll Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, it's like I could have seen it. There's like an SNL meme where they say Gift Me Five, but then, and they're giving each other a five. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So it might have been like existing out there mm-hmm. already. And I also remember once I wrote that title, I had a lot of fun interactions because I wrote a percussion ensemble version of that. And me and the students would all be giving each other fives. Nice. Like, give me five. Ha <laughs> ha. And then the other fun thing is that I thought it would start a debate or keep the debate ongoing since the 80s or the 90s when GIF came out or GIF. Ah, right. Like, is it GIF because it's a G or is it GIF because it stands for graphics? Right. And uh, I even did like a whole funny comedic talk show thing with my friend Justin Riley who runs Band Geek Dad Music and we we like talked and debated on why is it GIF? Why is it GIF? <laughs> um, so that's just something to help people. They'll give them something to comment on social yeah, media. Yeah, you know. smart. Yeah, and using something timely that a lot of people think is fun and playful. Yeah. Love that. And uh, great. So we will listen to that momentarily. And is there anything else that you wanted to just touch on before we close things out? I've got some new videos coming out. You know, I do want to point people towards that. For this track, I was debating whether to show this new tune coming out called Live the Dream because I have been mega inspired by making those videos and writing yeah. lyrics. And so after you check out Marimba Maverick, keep a lookout for Starting to Dream and Live the Dream Um Live the Dream would be the track, but I'm thinking this album, my next album, will be called Starting to Dream. Okay, great. We'll keep an, an eye out for that. And where can people find you? Find more information? Yeah, um, Instagram is at new music with two M's in the middle. So it's a play on my name, <laughs> N-E-U-M-M-U-S-I-C. Uh, 
U-S-I-C. I almost mm-hmm. just spelled my name right there. <laughs> and then Mike Newmeyer Music on Facebook and, of course, MikeNewmeyer.com. And I really would like to thank some supporters this year. Marimba One, Encore Mallets, Oak Creek Marching Knights, Oak Creek High School, Milwaukee Area Technical College, and definitely also Wisconsin Music Ventures. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mike. It's a pleasure to talk with you more and learn more about you and and uh, your background and what drives you and all those other little things. So thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one. Today's featured patron is Steph Graham from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Steph, we thank you for your support, as we always thank all of our patrons for keeping us going at Wisconsin Music Ventures. Adventure Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.